0: Hi, everyone. In the second episode of this series, we spoke to Oliver Kahn. Oliver is a leader writer and columnist at the Times, and we discuss his book, Mending the Mind, where he details his experiences with severe depression. As ever, if you enjoyed the episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. Hi, Oliver. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Harry. Good to talk to you. Um... Uh, mm. So yeah, we always start by asking what your kind of relationship with mental health looks like.
1: Yes, I have had one, just one experience in my life of very severe clinical depression. I had no apparent susceptibility to it, no experience of it, and no family history of it. But a few years ago, it was the entire calendar year of 2014, I was stricken with what was diagnosed as severe clinical depression. Um, It was unlike anything I'd experienced before or since. I made a full recovery. And since then, like anyone else, I've had my periodic ups and downs, my low moods and my times of, of of uh, happiness and enjoyment, and broadly, I am a perfectly normal person in terms of mental health now. I say with a certain degree of embarrassment, in fact, that the public health crisis that we've experienced for the past year, which has taken such an intense toll both on um, physical health and on um, people's mood, has left me broadly unafflicted in terms of mental health. I have the good fortune to um, be sufficiently advanced in my career, not to have worries for my livelihood and to live in a nice home in a verdant part of London and not to suffer the sort of uh, difficulties that many others do in this crisis of uh, being worried for their Families and their livelihoods, and living perhaps in cramped and substandard and accommodation, and, and having relationship difficulties—all the things that are affecting people's mental health—have uh, passed me by in this public health crisis. So that's my background with mental health. Yeah. I have one very distinct period of severe depression, which led me to find out more about the condition.
0: Yeah, that's that's good to hear that you've you've had a. A good year, despite the circumstances. Um, so, how did how did it kind of first manifest itself for you and, and develop? I read that you you spoke about it as being a bit like a cloud, which is very similar to what um, one of our previous guests, Alistair Campbell, said that that he wakes up um, that he can see this cloud and it eventually becomes kind of all encompassing.
1: Exactly, uh, Alistair has suffered depression periodically through his life I've fortunately for me had only the one very severe experience of it but however much it reoccurs in a person's life there are recognizable features of it and I recognize from the accounts of others not only um, contemporaries like Alistair but Those who've suffered depression historically and have written about it, even in epochs when the term clinical depression wouldn't have been used um, in um, reading up on the subject. I, for example, went back to the works of uh, Dr. Johnson, Samuel Johnson, who was known for his susceptibility to what was called melancholy at the time. We would call depression and the symptoms are very much the same. Um, it manifested itself, in my case, with um, all the diagnostic symptoms of depression according to the manuals, uh, the medical manuals, um, things like a, a, a complete loss of appetite for recreation or pleasure or food, lassitude, um, a constant sense of guilt, um, chronic insomnia, and um, uh, the cognitive distortions that are typical of a, of, a, of a depressive, I believed I was evil, and the sort of imagery, the, 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 the incident in which I knew I had a problem was I had a dramatic loss of memory, um, to the extent that I was unable, I was out in central London, and I was unable to remember my own home address, um, and the imagery uh, you cite Alistair referring to a cloud is exactly what I felt. It felt as if a cloud was enveloping the um, the neighbourhood, the street, the world, and divorcing me from it. And um, the um, uh, the imagery of the mental uh, of of those suffering from mental disorder is strikingly similar across cases.
0: Yeah, I think I can I can echo that. I kind of had the um, the inability to sleep is is quite classic. That's one that I had. The kind of um, feelings of of worthlessness and uh, lethargy and f- not taking interests in things that previously bought me uh, bought me pleasure. So I think those are, are fairly classics. But how how did you? personally, how are you able to tell the difference between, um, it's very obvious for, for someone like me who's been through it, but how are you able to tell the difference between just a general level of, of kind of normal low mood that everyone has in their lives versus something more clinical?
1: It's a, it's an absolutely central question about depression that you just posed. Everyone has low moods, periods of sadness and disappointment and and grief. Um, We all suffer um, thwarted ambitions, um, uh, rejections, disappointments in love, bereavement and the sort of things that would bring anyone low and some of my friends have had far worse experiences than that. Uh, Friends of mine Uh, from Bosnia who have witnessed and survived the genocide of their communities and have managed to build successful and admirable lives despite these horrific uh, uh, circumstances. Um, And it's crucial that depression is quite different from the sadnesses that we all feel. Um, And it's also um, in the case of those like me who, who Led successful lives professionally, <clears throat> have the good fortune to have uh, devoted family and friends. Um, and depression is a, is a quite abnormal reaction to um, periods of disappointment. I, I had um, difficult things happening to me in my life at a certain time uh, that would predictably um, uh, cause sadness. But the low mood did not disperse as time went on, as you would expect. It intensified, and those who were close to me noticed oddities about my behaviour. And uh, those in personal life noted oddities about my behaviour, the fact that I seemed distant and um, lost weight dramatically in a short time. And those in professional life noticed it as well with the additional quirk that my work suffered my writing i'm a professional writer mm. my writing became excruciatingly slow and was strewn with grammatical errors so it was very clearly not a conventional period of sadness but i still didn't recognize it for what it was having no um history of depression until i went to the doctor and he diagnosed me as such um uh, a, a very friendly empathetic um uh, GP who um, showed me a, a checklist of symptoms uh, was needlessly apologetic that it was a, quite a simple visual aid, mm. and I had the lot. I could have been a, <laughs> a chapter or at least a footnote in a textbook of psychiatric disorders all on my own. It was it was a revelation.
0: Yeah, going back to to what you just said there, an analogy that I kind of think of when I when I Well, when I was in the midst of it and then kind of when I've had it periodically since was it's kind of like you're looking at life through a glass pane or something like that. You you kind of everything's going on around you and you can see that, you know, it should be enjoyable, but actually you just can't quite grasp it and you can't, you're not fully engaged in it.
1: Exactly. It is a different type of landscape from what you've known before. And it is um disorienting for its its weakness and its strangeness and disorienting and very disturbing and distressing
0: yeah so moving on you kind of write that actually that it is possible to make more than a recovery which is a message that i think gets uh often lost in in mental health diagnoses that for some conditions you can actually get back to where you were before um and certainly for me although i still have you know bouts of it that the understanding that you get from yourself having gone through something like this you can actually recover to a better level than you're at before so how did how did you go about recovering it and what what things worked for you uh, and what things were not so great
1: <laughs> yes certainly there is a, a phrase that's been used in discussions of mental health which is Better than well. And it's been invoked particularly in debates over antidepressant medication um, and the much um, misunderstood um, medication of um, SSRIs like um, fluoxetine, his trade name is Prozac. Um, Those who've advocated antidepressants, as as I do, have sometimes, as I certainly do, have sometimes used the phrase better than well. And critics have taken this as an ominous hint of social engineering. Um, That's not the case at all. Um, But I don't use the phrase better than well myself precisely for that reason. I would say, however, that going through the experience of depression and receiving effective evidence-based treatments um, corrected certain cognitive distortions that I had labored under for a long, long time, even in a pre-depressive state. Those distortions were tending to think the worst of any setback. Um, uh, The catastrophizing instinct, which eventually, um, in a state of clinical depression, convinced me that I was not only fallible, as we all are, but evil. Um, And the treatments I had were twofold. First, a course of antidepressants, which are not a cure-all by any means, uh, and indeed are not a cure for depression at all, any more than treatments for common cold are a cure for the cold. They are a way of managing symptoms better, Mm -hmm. coping better. They aid you in getting well rather than make you well or better than well. Um, And the treatment that really was um, predominantly effective for me, and in some respects a revelation to me, was talking therapy of a type that has real clinical backing behind Mm. it. Um, Principally cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, but also allied approaches such as compassion-focused therapy, which um, in... um, testing my beliefs against the evidence with an empathetic personality a clinical uh, a skilled clinical psychologist um, on the other side as it were not only brought me out of depression eventually though it was a long process but um created what the clinical psychologist referred to and aimed at not as a normal me but a new normal someone who's emotions and understandings were somewhat sharper and it was um not an experience I would wish on anyone clinical depression it was the greatest pain of my life but the process of recovery did make make me a a somewhat different person not quite the same person as i had been before
0: yeah I think what you say about antidepressants is so key I think for me and I don't know a lot of people other people think like this that I was doing I was trying to do the things that I knew would make me better without antidepressants and then I started them and saw them as something that allowed me to do the other things that would you know address the root causes better so after I started taking them I was I could more fully engage in in CBT I could uh, I was lucky enough to be able to see a psychologist um and I could start doing you know things that I used to enjoy like exercise again. But I don't think you weren't quite as lucky as I was to to, to see a, a psychologist straight away. You had a, a different experience with um with psychoanalysis which which to my knowledge has less um <laughs> less firm evidence than the methods that that psychologists use.
1: Yes indeed. Um therapy psychotherapy um, is a very broad concept it covers many things many different disciplines um, many different approaches uh, has different um, uh, different sets of patients um, the uh, the first experience I had of psychological therapy or psychotherapy was with a um, Someone known as a psychodynamic therapist. And psychodynamic therapy has its origins in the approach of Sigmund Freud and his followers um, uh, who devised the methods of psychoanalysis. It's moved on a long way since then. Um, It's much more time limited. um, uh, But it has, um, uh, in, in its intellectual roots, the belief that. Mood disorders like clinical depression are the outcome of unresolved conflicts in one's psyche, one's unconscious, deriving from um, uh, experiences earlier in life. And um, I did have s- sessions, prolonged sessions with a psychodynamic therapist, which were not effective um, because, uh, for one thing, um, she seemed to be trawling through my memories for a key to understand my present discontents, mm. when I knew that those memories were just not relevant to mm. my condition now. They were of an earlier stage in life when I was not the same person and I happened to have had a very happy childhood with mm. devoted parents and a good deal of satisfaction in my life. My view of this type of therapy is I'm, I'm a little wary when people say, well, such and such an approach worked for me. I do think that there is a role for psychodynamic therapy in some psychiatric disorders. Um, psychiatrists, trained psychiatrists who see uh, very um, uh, ill people in the NHS, typically often come across uh, people who have no social contact to speak of at all, who may never have had a positive relationship in their lives, who would have been neglected or even abused as children and have been unable to form relationships as adults. Now, going through um, the, uh, the traumas that such people have suffered using the techniques of psychodynamic therapy may be very helpful, but the evidence that it's useful for clinical depression is, is, is just not there. The, the, the randomised controlled trials have been done and they don't suggest that this form of therapy is effective for depression. Um, they do, however, suggest that CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, is superior to um, other forms of talking therapy and the placebo's in treating depression. And as I say, I'm a little wary when people say, well, whatever works for me, um... It, 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 it's it's a great thing if someone gets benefit, believes they get benefit from uh, uh, and, and alleviation from depression from whatever uh, works for them. Indeed, but um, the data matters, the tests matter, and my message is that um, it's not arbitrary uh, treatments for, for depression and other mood disorders. Um, there is good science behind certain methods, and. Um, and we can build on those to get a better understanding of depression and its treatments,
0: yeah, absolutely um and and one thing you wrote about was i suppose kind of related to um to the fact that some treatments work and some treatments have less um less efficacy behind them, is about the skepticism of people that you may know or, or that you may have worked with seemingly highly intelligent well-educated people that just didn't believe in that something like depression is a medical condition and that actually it's more of a, a kind of fashionable 21st century millennial um, millennial yes. disease so I was wondering what kind of what kind of damage do you think that opinions like that are doing and, and why do you think people react to to depression in this kind of way?
1: Yes. There is a very widespread view. It's particularly prominent in, um, maybe I just see it for this reason, it's particularly prominent in my profession of journalism that depression is a voguish medicalization of the sadnesses that we all suffer from time to time in our lives. And there remains a sort of stigma attaching to mental disorder that you don't find with diseases of other organs um, uh, or or physical injuries. Um, And I think to be as generous as I can, the reason for this um, uh, scepticism is that the Illness that the that illnesses of the mind are not directly observable in the way that illnesses of other organs are. Mm. We know um, from, from uh, the naked eye that someone has suffered a uh, breakage of a limb. We know from X-rays that someone has a disease of the lungs uh, or, or the heart, but we can't directly observe um, uh, illnesses of the mind. We can't directly observe. Um, the whatever happens in the brain, a misfiring of neurons perhaps within the brain that, that, that cause clinical depression. We only know clinical depression or can only diagnose clinical depression from its symptoms rather than from its direct causes. And this, I think, lends to a public scepticism and even a stigma about the reality of mental illness. I want to stress that Um, clinical depression is an illness like any other um, that is physiological in origin because we know mind depends on the brain. Um, It's an illness like any other with a complex mix of causes, some biological, some social. Um, And I, having suffered a severe mental illness, I wanted to come out as a sufferer And explain, first of all, find out as much as I could about the state of science, um, neuroscience, psychiatry, neuropharmacology, clinical uh, clinical psychology, and what they said about depression, and to convey the message that, yes, clinical depression is a real and very severe, can be a very severe illness that has a tremendous cost in um, welfare and in human life, and that there are sound science based evidence based treatments that can help
0: yeah absolutely um and kind of moving on to something a bit different and you wrote in the the to your book about about covid and how that has potentially impacted the mental health of a lot of people how how do you think that when we come out of um, when we eventually come out of it that that it, it will be viewed on as having an impact on, on people's mental health and, and and what do you think the, the landscape will look will look like going forward?
1: I fear that the um, that there will be a very substantial problem of a rise in the incidence of clinical depression and other psychiatric disorders. That is what historically was observed after the um, the Great Influenza pandemic of 1918 to 1920, which is the most direct historical analogy we can have for the current um, pandemic. Um, one um, factor in um, this toll on mental health is inevitably and necessarily the remedial actions that have been taken to um, stop the spread of infection, the lockdowns, the the isolation. Um, Clinical psychologists have judged that at any one time billions of people across the globe have been in some form of lockdown and this is this is bound to have had a very significant effect on people's mental health when we can't see those we care about uh, can't even get on a bicycle or a train to get a change of scenery and um, this is bound to have affected people's mental health because <clears throat> the most important means of contending with mental disorder that of social connection is not available to us this is not i hasten to add an argument against these measures of lockdown um, on the contrary um, uh, we know that covid is a multi-system illness that has um, uh, an effect itself on, on mental health. There is some evidence of direct neurological impacts, uh, reports of seizures, of uh, cognitive disturbance, of confusion. And there's uh, been a study by Oxford University researchers suggesting that those who survive COVID are at significantly greater risk of developing mental health problems in the immediate aftermath. And um, so, Um, I do fear that there will be a substantial rise in uh, the number of cases of people suffering from clinical depression and other mood disorders. And in pre-pandemic times, it was very substantial already. Mm. The World Health Organization estimated in the year before the pandemic that there were 264 million people globally suffering from depression. And, um, uh, And it is, depression is the, predominant cause of suicide in the world today so it is a huge problem and it has immense costs in welfare and happiness and human life and it's going to be a a substantial issue in public health policy as hopefully the current crisis recedes the mental health issue
0: will definitely remain do you think obviously it's very different for for the individual suffering but do you think perhaps slightly paradoxically that what we've been through for the last year and and the lockdowns and things will actually make us perhaps think more about mental health generally and perhaps it will receive you know greater funding for the evidence based treatments that we've we've spoken about before
1: i i think there is um i think there is a, a, some ground for hope on on that point um there is enshrined in legislation the principle of parity of esteem between mental health and physical health and indeed the, the whole division between mental health and physical health rests on a somewhat unhelpful um dualistic notion that the mind is separate from the body whereas actually it's 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 um uh, it's um the outcome uh, of 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 physical processes physiological processes um i do think that the issue of mental health which has been so prominent in the current crisis will remain um, an issue of great public concern. And I hope that um, there will be a much greater availability of um, evidence-based psychological treatments in the NHS, Um, because the coverage at the moment is patchy. And it's a very, very vital issue of public health provision. So that, I hope, will be the message coming out of this crisis. And it's, one that I certainly intend to stress myself.
0: Yeah, and one the thing we always kind of finish up by asking is how you look after your your mental health at the moment. Um, I suppose especially relevant in the, in the last year. I um, periodically,
1: I've had no um, re- recurrence of depression, but naturally, like everyone else, I've had. Um, periods of worry and sadness not least during this crisis Um, family friends have um, uh, died from Covid um, uh, uh, and I've been unable to bid them farewell. Um, I've been worried uh, not for me um, as I have a a, a very happy and secure um, life but I've been worried for those I care about and apprehensive about the future. Uh, Will there be a time when we can hug each other again? Um, When I felt um, the onset of depressive thoughts, I have reverted to the sort of uh, commonsensical, but science-based techniques that were taught to me by the clinical psychologist when I was in a depressive state, which is um, to test Um, the catastrophizing instinct against the available evidence and not to get locked into a cycle of constant rumination. Um, If there's an issue that's worrying me, I don't dwell on it. And I particularly don't dwell on it in the recesses of the night um, when um, I'm still liable to sleep badly. Um, It is just to put it on one side, deliberately mentally put it on one side and say to myself, well, maybe I do need to know the answer to this, but not now. And the answer isn't available, and there's nothing constructive to be gained by speculating or ruminating upon it. Let me attend to something that is more capable of resolution and a more constructive line of thought. So that's how I look after my mental health. The techniques that I learned from good psychological therapy
0: when I was seriously ill. Brilliant, yeah, evidence-based stuff. Um, and where can we find out more about your your writing and and the book in general?
1: My book, Mending the Mind. The Art and Science of Overcoming Clinical Depression is published by Weidenfeld and Nicholson. Um, There are, of course, um, uh, 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 no shops open at the moment as (laughs) we speak, but it is available from fine retailers online everywhere and it contains the fruits of my researches in mental health. I've written widely on the subject, particularly for The Times, and I will be doing so in future, and I hope to make the subjects we've been discussing much more widely
0: now. Brilliant. Oliver, that's been really interesting and um, have a nice rest of the day. My pleasure, Harry. Thanks very much for, for, for talking with me. All the best. Hi, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a quick note to say that although the things I discuss with the guests we may find helpful, I'm not a trained medical professional. If you're struggling with your mental health, please contact your GP or speak to an organisation like Samaritan's on 116 123.